T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Every team has tried to improve during the you know, free agency, but... For us, uh, you know, for the Bulls, it's 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 more. You're looking at the teams that were at the top six. Um, they've been together for some time, uh, three, four years together. We've been together since October, so we're gonna be better just again, second year, um, being together. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. It was our tourists, Carnivorous doing his own version of suckage, of shoveling it, of doing it. Talking about continuity, which I believe is what you do when you don't have money, salary cap room, draft choices, or an awful lot of hope or ways to get better. So you run it back and call it continuity. And that's what the Bulls are doing. Welcome and welcome back to Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. The Bulls play their final summer league game. Their stuff of interest. They play it tonight. We're going to go out to Las Vegas. We thank Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago for joining me. I'd like to thank you, Rob. I know that the game's tonight, and I know you're happy I called because there's really nothing to do in Las Vegas during the day, whatever, to kill time. So I know you're glad that I could take up some of your time this afternoon. Right, Rob? Yeah, uh, indeed, Steve. Uh, and I'm actually, not, I'm not even in uh, Las Vegas. I, I doubt many are, uh, as you said, kind of for the end of summer league here, it gets a little yeah. dreary towards the end. Although I think, you know, as of right now, every Bulls player of interest, there aren't many, but everyone will be um, in the game tonight. So it should be interesting to watch. That's my bad. So in watching this, what we've seen so far, wins and losses aside, we've seen Dalen Terry and Marco Samanovic play against players they're used to playing against and being effective and stuffing stat sheets and doing, at least from what I could see, doing what they're supposed to do, which is is a low bar. I mean, if you got dominated in summer league, if you look like crap, then you'd think, oh, my God, this is like, where is this going? So Give me, again, with the caveat, it's only Summer League. Give me your assessment, your scouting report, your evaluation of what you've seen of who I think are the two most important Bulls Summer League players. Yeah, I'll take them one by one. Dalen, obviously, Dalen Terry, the first-round pick this year. I think the description of he's doing everything he's supposed to do is pretty spot-on for him. And I say that not only because of the way he's played, but he also, to my eye, has gotten better each game of Summer League. The first game he looked a little bit out of sorts. Um, he's not necessarily a player that you're necessarily going to give the ball to in isolation and 
you know, have him go get his own shot. He's a pretty good passer. He's looked really, really good defensively. I think that's been the biggest takeaway for me is it looks like that area of his game, you know, should translate fairly quickly, um, which is big for a player who I think is considered to be a project. Uh, the jump shot, I, I think he's over 40% from three, but it's only on seven attempts. Um, and some of the misses haven't looked good. So I think that's still uh, a work in progress. He looks good in transition in the half court, maybe not so much offensively. Uh, but his last game was his best one. He had 20, 20 points, five rebounds, two steals. He shot the ball well. Um, I think he'll look even a little bit better or look, yeah, look even a little bit better in a true NBA setting with NBA level talent around him because he's a guy who's going to be playing off the ball. He's a slasher. He's a connecting piece. He's a good team defender. Um, so I think with a better team co- context around him, he'll look even better, even though he has looked pretty good uh, in summer league. As for Marco, uh, it's his second go around. Uh, he was a rookie last year, didn't really get any time uh, with the big league Bulls, spent a lot of time in the G League, performed really, really well in the G League. But, you know, even for a team that was so thin in the front court last year, couldn't really crack the rotation. I, I suspect there was a, you know, the Bulls were wanting him to play with a little bit more physicality, put on some weight. He's up, I think, 25 pounds from his rookie season this offseason, but still, you know, is a little bit slender compared to some other big guys. I think what I've noticed from him in summer league, it's kind of consistent with his NBA career to this point against some of the, you know, lower level competition in terms of summer league front courts. He's played really well. He's had two double doubles um, in the first game and overtime went over the Mavericks. He, he had three blocks to go with 27 points and 13 rebounds. Looks pretty good. Um, he's a, he's pretty skilled for a big guy. He can pass it. I think that's a big area of growth that he's shown, uh, but his worst game was against the best team that the Bulls played. And it was against the Knicks and a center in Jericho Sims, who's, you know, maybe going to be in their rotation this year. He, he phased in and out of it last year. So I don't know what to make of it in terms of projecting a rotation role for these guys. I think we'll know more in training camp. I think the ex- expectation right now is neither of them probably start the season as uh, key guys in the rotation, and there's probably some G League split time, uh, especially for Marco. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I think, you know, at the very least for Marco, he's improved from this time last year. And Dalen has improved game over game, and he, he's shown some of the versatility that uh, motivated the Bulls to draft him. Well, bringing chaos to a team that has nothing else going for it or questionable things going for it because you don't have maybe that rim protection, you're not shooting like you should. Bringing chaos was what the Bulls did exceptionally well when they did have a healthy roster, which I don't believe they'll ever have again. But I think that will be that'll get back to what we saw in the first half of the year, an exciting team. Well, that they, I don't know what they're going to win, how they're going to win. I don't know how many games they're going to win. But I think that kind of chaos plays to the profile of what Eversley and Karnischibus are putting together. Am I right? Am I wrong? Is that how this looks to you? Uh, I agree with you as it relates to Dalen Terry, and it's why I think people saw that he's listed as a guard and questioned the fit of the pick a little bit. And obviously, in this front office, they make draft picks for – you know, potential for upside for who they think is the best player available. So I don't think they were necessarily going to draft for fit anyway. But even though he was listed as a guard at Arizona, Dalen Terry, he's six seven. He's got that seven two wingspan. He had the reputation of being a very active and disruptive defender, but I was curious to see how it would look against pseudo NBA competition. And it's looked pretty good in summer league. I mean, he's he's really good timing wise. He had a couple timely double teams. He forces turnovers. He gets in passing lanes. He's pretty fearless. Like, he'll go in and, you know, there was a moment in the Hornets game the other day where he broke up an alley-oop attempt that was going to Mark Williams. That's that's a seven-foot-two kind of monstrous um, physical big man. So, you know, he's fearless in that respect. 
likes to get out on the break. As I said, he loves playing in transition. That was the Bulls' formula at the beginning of last season when they were their most successful, forcing turnovers, getting out on the break, um, and juicing both their offense and their defense that way. So even though positionally people question the guard to Dale and Terry, I do think he fits the style of play and what it seems like Arturis Karnaschovas' broader basketball philosophy is. Uh, so really, the, the defensive stuff is what intrigues me the most about Dale and Terry. Uh, I think there's work to do um, in terms of refining his offensive game, uh, but you know he'll have a lot of time to do that, um, and we'll see if he can crack the rotation coming into the season. My guest is Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago. We're talking Bulls here on The Score. And Rob joins me on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So my guy Kevin at the old Chicago smoke shop in Highland Park had this question for me as a as a Bulls diehard. So it means he's aggravated and enthusiastic and and in an opposite forms um, of the same words. Why does AK draft players in a shooter's league? Why does he draft guys who can't shoot, especially for a team that needs shooters? Yeah, I think it's, it's, I guess it's a little bit case dependent. And the distinction to make is that Patrick Williams and Io DeSumo have shot the ball at pretty good percentages in their NBA career. The problem is they don't shoot for volume and they're not necessarily threats mm-hmm. to get up shots. They don't really get guarded in the way that, that's, that's really the key to, you know, functioning in the modern NBA is not only shooting at a high percentage, but shooting from the outside enough that it actually changes the way opposing teams defend you. Um, I guess I, I don't really know. You'd have to ask, you'd, we'd have to ask them on a case-by-case basis. I, I would think just looking at the way that this front office is drafted, I would think they just value the physical tools a little bit more. Like you look at some of the guys, Marco aside, I think Patrick, Io, and Dalen all fit this profile of, Defensive-minded, long, athletic, multi-positional. I think, and and with the ability to, you know, play make a little bit pass and put the ball on the floor. It seems like they are willing to bet on guys with that physical profile improving their jump shot over time. Now, all these guys are too young in the league to know if they're going to have a successful track record doing that. You know, Io especially entering a second season, and Patrick not playing a lot of his second year. I'm not going to, you know, make any final declarations on him yet. But it just seems like their broader philosophy is, you know, we'll bet on the physical gifts. We need to add defensive-minded guys. And then we'll see if we can improve, you know, the technical skills like the jump shot once they get in the league. To me, the more confounding thing was that in free agency, they really didn't go after guys that were more proven shooters because that's, to me, that's where you go after fit is on the free agent market when you're dealing with more proven NBA-level guys. Um, but that certainly projects to be a weakness of this team yet again next season is uh, shooting from the outside. Well, when they said run it back, I don't want to see running it back, bad shooting or lack of outside range. I just yeah. – and, and running – the problem with run it back is Lonzo Ball's injury made him an MVP candidate because you saw a first-place team barely stay out of the play-in setup. And that showed his value to me, Caruso there too. But Lonzo Ball at both ends, and he's never been injury-free. And they're running it back, seemingly the success of which is based on having a true point guard, guy at both ends, a guy who sees the court, a guy who makes everybody else better, except he can't get on the court. Am I 
overstating this? How do you view the situation with the Bulls saying we're going to run it back and Lonzo Ball is, um, and they're humming a, humming a, humming a, trying to explain when he might be there? Yeah, the, the, no, I, I don't think they're overstating at all. I think Lonzo Ball's health is the biggest story of the offseason because he is so important, not only to the defensive identity, but the shooting aspect. I mean, it's a guy who was shooting 40%, over 40% on over seven attempts from three a game. Uh, him and Zach Levine are the only, you know, dudes on the team that stretch the floor, um, you know, to that extent in kind of an elite way. Um, so it, it's certainly a, a big concern. And I think what it points to, like the, the, the word continuity that's been thrown around a lot, like you said, that the idea of running it back, the question for me is, do they end up running it back or do they end up getting continuity with the group that ended last season, which obviously didn't have Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso was banged up too, or do they end up getting continuity with the group that started last season and, you know, it was great for the first half. Um, that, that all depends on Lonzo Ball. And I think if they end up running it back and valuing continuity with the group that ended last season, you know, we saw how it ended. The post-All-Star break stretch was brutal. Um, the, you know, they, they stole one game off of Milwaukee, which I honestly think exceeded a lot of people's expectations. But then they followed <laughs> that up with two of the worst home playoff losses yeah. in franchise history. So I, I wouldn't have a good taste in my mouth from the end of last season in terms of this group together unless, not only is Lonzo Ball back, but Lonzo Ball is 100% healthy. Uh, it doesn't seem like he is. Uh, like you said, they've danced around updates with it, but I think AK kind of gave the most forthcoming update to date. That's not to say that it, it is forthcoming, but just the most forthcoming one to date about how he's progressing, but not at the speed um, that the Bulls want. So, you know, we'll see how he looks. I, I think the next 10 poll is training camp. You know, we'll see how he looks, but – even if he's back, if he's not at 100%, you know, efficiency for, you know, what they what he showed at the beginning of last season, you know, you're in danger of taking a step back because the improvements that made were marginal uh, at the end of the day. Like, they're, they're almost banking on Lonzo Ball coming back and Patrick Williams being healthy per season as being the key additions of the offseason, which would be great if you could rely on Lonzo specifically health-wise. And I just – I think – To put it diplomatically, I'd say that's a question mark at this point. Rob Schaefer is my guest, NBC Sports Chicago, talking Bulls here on The Score on Saturday Suckage. So if there's, I mean, Dragic is here. He he has a professionalism about him. I'm more interested in what you think, that, that if, for argument's sake, NBA players work to improve one thing in their game each summer, get better at this, get better at this, get better at this. Aside from stamina and going through a long season, what would be the one thing you would have IO do and how it would affect the Bulls? That's a good question. Yeah, other than the stamina, because I do think there was some burnout that came into play with him towards the end of last season and the league kind of adjusted to him a little bit. To me, I would just hammer catch-and-shoot jump shooting. Because um, you saw in that Buck series, his defense and, and really his passing and his, you know, his ability to see the floor was so valuable to the Bulls as they were weathering the storm of injuries in the backcourt through the middle part of last season. But in a playoff environment, I mean, he just wasn't the same player. Um, and he, you know, he was behind Kobe White in the rotation. At the beginning of that series, he ended up jumping him. Um, both of those guys projected to be on the roster at the beginning of the season, so they'll be, you know, important reserve pieces one way or the other. Uh, so for Io, I think he's obviously already a plus, plus, plus perimeter defender. Um, he's already a guy that you can run offense through, you know, for a couple minutes a game, which is really all the Bulls need. I mean, even regardless of Lonzo Ball status, this offense flows through Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. So I think his ability to not only 
shoot a high percentage from the outside from three-point range, which he did last year, but get up a couple more attempts a game and be a little bit more of a threat to pull, you know, as soon as he catches, I think that would be the next step for him. And, you know, if he can be that type of player that is taking four or five threes a game and still shooting in the high 30s, I mean, that is the prototypical three and D wing archetype that this Bulls team, you know, really without, you know, if Lonzo isn't healthy, like really is lacking in terms of two-way players up and down the roster. They need guys that can contribute like that. Uh, so for Io, that's, that's what I would say as the key uh, improvement area. Um, with him, I know, I, you know, there's a lot of question marks up and down this Bulls team, but I think he's one that you could feel good about just because of the improvement that he showed over his rookie season uh, that he, you know, could add something to his game going into the next year. All right, call him up. Tell him you rebound for him. You get out there every day, you know, a thousand shots, and you rebound for him, and then you can write that piece, Rob. You'll inside oh, that, sounds, that sounds wonderful. I'll be sure to bring that up. Yes. I'm sure you will. I'll play this tape back for everybody who might need to hear it. Thanks for your time, Rob. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking time right. out Saturday. Thanks, Dave. No worries. All right. Rob Schaefer, NBC Sports Chicago, coming to an, as an IO rebounder near you. All right, we take a break. Before we get back, uh, we will come back, and we will take you up to Cubs pregame. First of a double, two games of a doubleheader, 12.45 pregame, 120 first pitch, and then evening game split doubleheader today. So coming back, the Stanley Cup was in Chicago. It's a story so sweet, you could get diabetes from it. And speaking of that, Disneyland had a birthday, SpongeBob SquarePants had a birthday, and Harrison Ford, Han Solo had a birthday. There's another Star Wars news. If we get to all of this, we'll also get to Cowbell, because that's what we do, and Larry the Cable Guy. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. Boy, you just heard it, right? Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Damn right it is. Welcome and welcome back. Saturday Suckage, I suck so you don't have to. Stanley Cup came to Chicagoland yesterday. I was giving this heads up by this cranky old man named George at my Trader Joe's. And that's why we get along, because we're both cranky old men. It came to Northbrook. J.T. Comfort of the Avalanche brought it to Northbrook, and the reason why... That's where he grew up. Quote, without Northbrook and my family and my friends, I wouldn't be the player I am today or the person I am today. He took it to the Northbrook uh, Sports Center. This was uh, from a story written by Tracy Myers. This is just a lovely story about a great, a great opportunity, great come uh, when you when you bring the Stanley Cup home. Usually, we've seen it recently. It was the depraved, sick organization that did it. Or it was Chris Chelios that brought it to Wrigley Field as a member of the Red Wings. And you go, get out of here. Here's JT Comfort, local guy. He won a Stanley Cup first time in his life. So the, he's sleeping with a cup. His day began at a family home where he, his parents, Bob and Valerie, and sisters Jesse and Morgan and girlfriend Sydney got the cup around 8.30 a.m. So he didn't really sleep with it, but he had it in the morning. And they served breakfast in it. You've heard all sorts of stories of things going into it. The JT Comfort Home, quote, my mom has been making chocolate chip pancakes since I was a kid. That was the first thing. Add a little syrup in there. He ate chocolate chip pancakes and syrup out of the Stanley Cup. I love that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this story is so sweet, you can get diabetes from it. He slept in his room. Um, 
Her son's got a photo of the one including the Joe Sackick bobblehead doll. Mom Valerie has a photo of J.T. Comfer with a Joe Sackick bobblehead doll. Joe Sackick was the GM who signed him, and they won a Stanley Cup with the Avalanche. And then he brought it to Northbrook Sports Center, and and they there were about 500 people there. He gave a speech. He signed autographs, took photos, talked with fans. It was a wonderful show, a wonderful community moment. The next stop was the Landmark Inn at Northbrook Tavern. For those of you who know the late, great John Mullen, he used to play in a band that played the Landmark Inn on a regular basis. Well, this place is packed, and they were playing all the small things by Blink-182, which the Avalanche were playing during the third periods of their games at Ball Arena. That was blaring in the background. And that's how the Stanley Cup comes home to Northbrook. I love that story. You go, JT Comfrey. You you go, local guy. 67 years old today is Disneyland. Disneyland is 67. I grew up going to Disneyland. The Matterhorn remains the greatest roller coaster ever. It was You never forget your first, right? The Matterhorn, you waited two hours in line for a two-minute ride, and it was all hairpin turns, and now you're at the bottom, and you go, oh, got another two hours. Better than Space Mountain? Oh, yeah. Well, it's my first. You always remember your first, right? What was your first roller coaster? What was your first great adult roller coaster, Caesar? It definitely had to be something at Six Flags out in Gurney. I I think it might have been... the one that Superman replaced, that they had to replace it because it's actually getting a little too dangerous. I think it might have been the Shockwave, it was called. Shockwave was replaced itself. Everybody was getting concussions because your head banged against it so far. Although I did like it. Those were really three tight loops, three tight loops in a row. And that was, I, re- I remember banging my head against it. Go, okay. So I don't. Well, it's a Matterhorn for me. Is it? Space Mountain, is that yours? Is that your roller coaster? Is that it? Is that your is that home? Is that if, the if I had to you? pick a, a favorite overall, it'd probably be Raging Bull currently out in Great America. That that's a great I mean that first drop always gets me. I love I yeah. love the Raging Bull out of Great America. I've just so lost my nerve. I don't do that. I don't do that. I've so lost my nerves. Used to be fine. Used to be great. I'd go on American Eagle, forwards, backwards, whatever you got. But I've lost my nerve. I'm not interested in that. I'll just sit over here. I'll be the guy with the wine watching you do that. So Disneyland turned 67, the happiest place on earth. This is, Caesar, you'll be a judge of this. Turning 36 today, SpongeBob SquarePants. This was the debut. Were you a SpongeBob SquarePants child, Caesar? No, considering I'm, I'm one year older than SpongeBob, apparently, uh, that was a little past my time, no. Really? You could have watched it. I don't know. I'm just asking. I knew that SpongeBob's working on a second, de- uh, second generation. How about this? You fixed for this? Turning 56 today. Barry Sanders. I definitely you know seen who him. We're talking about? Oh, I definitely seen Barry run. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, to me, he's still, I, I mean. Blasphemy, right? Walter Payton, Chicago Bears. But, I mean, come on. Barry Sanders has got to be 1B, right? He was the most fun to watch. And the most fun to watch people try to tackle him. And everybody, I think it was Mongo. Mongo compared it to, especially that scene in 
I can't remember which Rocky it is, Rocky 85, whatever, where he's trying to catch the chicken, where, where he has to catch the chicken. That's what it was like. That's how many people compare trying to tackle Barry Sanders, a man who would be would take your breath away on a run for, for no gain, and it would take 35 seconds because nobody could get him down. He's going left, he's going right, he's back. It's just that's the kind of guy he was. You know who turned 80? And Grody should be here for this. Harrison Ford turned 80 this week. I just watched Fugitive Grody. last night. Did you? You find that man. Grody should be here. You find that man. You, you stole the probasic. So of all of those, what do you think? What do you think? What's the, what's the greatest? What's the best? What's the most notable Harrison Ford role for you? What did you like him best in? I mean, we're talking legendary parts of a career, right? We're talking Han Solo. We're talking Indiana Jones. We're talking we're talking from Dr. Richard Kimball. So which is it? It's gotta be either Solo or Indiana Jones, right? I I, I feel like who knows, right? But but he's got to have made the most money off of those two characters, right? And he's got to be most known around the world for those two characters, Han Solo and Indiana Jones. I would think so. I would think so. That would be it. It was, um, and but he's that other role. I had no idea that originally, originally, in um, he he teamed up with George Lucas. He was in American Graffiti. I don't know if I ever knew this. If I did, I forgot. There's a drag race scene, and he is the loud-talking Bob Falfa, and they're doing the drag race scene, and I thought, completely forgot about that. And he ended up getting one of the roles because he was a carpenter working on somebody's house. Somebody was championing him, and, hey, you, you know, come in, read for this, and and it worked out. So he's he said be, between Indiana Jones and Han Solo, and then... One-offs like Sergeant John Book in Witness and Jack Trainer in Working Girl. I forgot he was in Working Girl. And that was just, that was hysterical. And a favorite of mine, because I just love Scott Turow, Rusty Savage in Presumed Innocent. And it, he, was, he was Alan J. Pakula's first choice. Plus, he played Jack Ryan in a couple movies. And, of course, Dr. Richard Kimball. It's, it's, um, it all leads to... President James Marshall. See, we need Grody. Get off my plane. I can't do that. I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry I subjected you to that. Apparently, there is a uh, a new Indiana Jones coming out uh, next year. It's going to be Indiana Jones 5, and he will be playing the role again as Indiana Jones. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Walker. Just says Indiana Jones 5. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, there we go. Great. Okay. Um, the, you know what? Uh, I'm also celebrating a birthday today is Will Ferrell, 55. And the thing about that is, as noted by Carl Quintanilla of CNBC, Carl Quintanilla is my favorite combining the the world of business and culture. He's the zeitgeist of that. In noting that Will Ferrell turned 55 today, which I had no idea until he tweeted it, that he noted Will Ferrell's role in the more 
cowbell sketch. You remember this, right? Right, Caesar? Of course, uh, of aired course. On S- aired on SNL. I know studs would go crazy for this. Aired on SNL in 2000. And the famous part of the line was, Chris, the famous part of the scene was not just Will Ferrell with a cowbell in the guitarist's ear, but Christopher Walken as a producer. I got the fever. And anecdote, antidote is more cowbell. And from that, the whole cowbell thing, Christopher Walken could not escape it. Folks would ring them at Walken's Broadway shows. He's on Broadway and they're ringing cowbells. Waiters, he said, would ask if he wanted more cowbell. I love that that's where it devolved to. Um, I hear something from the I'm Fat podcast that um, they need they need to you should pardon the phrase weigh in on this comes from Larry the cable guy have you ever brought your own Oreos to a Dairy Queen to get your blizzard exactly the way you like it it's this level of excellence that's made me what I am today you ever done that Caesar you're telling me you're going to bring bring a package of your own Oreos to the Dairy Queen and tell them this is the ones you're going to use in my ice cream? Yes, use use these Oreos because I know they're authentic and they're real. And this is the amount. I, also, you know, the amount that you want in there. Maybe you want double stuffed Oreos. They're not offering that. You bring your own Oreos. Have you brought, ever brought your own ingredient to a place and, and done that? I cannot... I, I can't imagine doing that, but Dairy Queen would be a place to start. I, I've never, uh, no, I've never gone, <laughs> gone to eat at a restaurant and wound up bringing my own food with me. I think that kind of defeats the purpose, no? Um, no, if you know you're getting mostly what you want, and then you say, all right, I, I need, this is what I need. This is what I want. I want, I want the double-stuffed Oreos. I mean, I've heard of places where they, they give you your food to cook it yourself. I, it's something like that, like on a grill or something in front of you. But I've never heard of uh, going to a restaurant right. and bringing your own stuff with you. you know? <laughs> Go to Dairy Queen. Here's my, maybe you want to bring your own um, peanut butter cups. Go, hey, I like, these are the bigger ones. I don't want the minis. I want the bigger peanut butter cups like that. And you bring your own. And they, and it, why wouldn't they use it? It would save them save them some product, help their inventory, and you could bring your own. I this I this is a wonderful idea. We'll see how Jay and Rick Camp feel about it. We'll let them weigh in on it. Alright, that's Saturday suckage for today. Cubs pregame is coming up next. If no one important listen to the show, I'll be back next Saturday. Thank you for listening. I suck so you don't have to, but it's just a public service. Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 